Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church on this beautiful June day. I'm Reverend Howard Dana, and I want to welcome you to First Parish in Concord this morning. I want to welcome everybody who are usual members of the church and just know to come to church on a Sunday morning, and everyone else who has discovered us and who is tuning in from far and wide. We know that there are lots of folks that are members of our own congregation, but our reach is expanding during this pandemic. And so wherever you have joined us from, we are so glad that you're here this morning. And we hope that this service is uplifting and fulfilling for you. It is our Flower Communion Sunday, and you'll learn more about that as we go along. And I know some folks have uh, sent in photographs, so we'll get to see a little bit of one another too. So welcome to this Flower Communion Sunday service. As is our usual practice, we'll go around and see who's here. So I'll invite us to go into gallery mode and I'll just go in the order that you appear on my screen. Um, Eric, our organist, would you like to say good morning to the folks? Good morning, friends. Lovely to be with you. And the Reverend Amy Friedman is here. Good morning. I'm so glad that we could be together today. And Beth Norton is here as well. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. It's so good to be with you. And the Reverend Liz Weber. Good morning, everybody. Happy Flower Communion. It's my favorite UU holiday. And Adrian Betancourt is here, our social action manager. Peace and love to you all this morning. And we also have Don Van Patten in the house. Good morning, everyone. And this morning, I would like to introduce to you another tech person. We have two marvelous folks coming on to do tech this summer and beyond. Uh, this is Sarah Ritchie. Go ahead and spotlight yourself or wave or say a word or two to the folks. We're glad you're here, Sarah. Welcome to church this morning. And let us now hear our call to worship. I've chosen these words. These are ancient words from the Jewish tradition. This from the Song of Solomon. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Let us worship together. And Adrian is going to have us light our chalices. At this time, you are invited to light a chalice or a candle or a light. May I tell you a secret? In past years, I must confess, I didn't appreciate the UU flower ceremony. And in fact, I often forgot to bring a flower to church. How fortunate I am now to be serving on a worship team. I get to explore my UU faith in ways I never dreamed of. Now I have learned about the history of the flower communion, as you shall learn today too, and I realize a delightful contradiction. Just as we would carry a unique flower to church and join it with others, and then choose a different one to take home, we bring photos of our unique and special selves and then carry away the delightful images of others with their favorite flowers. And yet we light together the same chalice, the spark of life that burns within all of us, no matter what shape or size or color 
our flower. We honor our diversity and our shared humanity, a wonderful contradiction of our UU faith. That is one reason why I have been so proud to see UUs playing major leadership roles in interfaith coalitions. So, as we say our chalice lighting prayer together, let us open our hearts and embrace the differences among us. Read in unison. O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred, essential moment now. Thank you, Adrian, for that beautiful chalice lighting. This morning, our opening hymn was written by the Reverend Norbert Chapek, a Czech Unitarian minister who, is, who founded the tradition of the flower commuting, which we will celebrate this morning. In this hymn, Chapek asked the question, what to call you? And he's addressing that to God. And the title of the hymn is Mother Spirit, Father Spirit. So in his time to call God mother and father was quite revolutionary. In our time, we have such a more fluid idea of what the gender of the holy might be when we address it. And so I invite you as we sing this song, which will be new to most of us, um, to think about what, how do you address the holy? What is your feeling for, about who that could be or what that could be. I'll play it through once for you so you can hear the melody and then we'll sing together. Mother Spirit, Father Spirit. Thank you. 
We are part of a liberal religious tradition, which means we are constantly evolving and we keep our hearts and minds open in our love and understanding. And it is so wonderful that we have rituals that we can return to again and again, because as we celebrate the flower communion, just as Adrian mentioned, she remembers doing it in a different community, as do I. I carry with me the memory of other gathered communities that I celebrated the flower communion with, and I have the embodied memory of celebrating with you, the joy of taking a different flower than I had brought home with me and knowing what it was like to have had my flower be a gift to one of you. Now, we know that we did not create the flower ceremony in Concord and that in this season, there are many Unitarian Universalist communities that are celebrating this particular ritual. I find that also deeply meaningful. Last Sunday, the Unitarian Church of Montpelier, Vermont, celebrated a flower communion. And my colleague, whose name is Liza Earl Centers, created a video illustration of the history of the first, the very first flower communion ceremony. And with her permission, I'm going to share that with all of you now. Come with me as we travel to Prague, Czechoslovakia in Europe, the year 1923. There was a Unitarian church. Now the building did not look at all like our church. In fact, it did not look like a church at all. It did not have a tall steeple reaching toward the sky like some churches do. It did not have massive doors carved of wood or windows of stained glass. It did not have a chalice, a piano, or flowers. The church had walls, a ceiling, a floor, a door, a few windows, and some hard wooden chairs. But thankfully, the church had people who came every Sunday and they were the most important part of the church because without people, any church is just a building, no matter how tall its steeple. The people of Prague had been through hard times. They had just recently been through four years of war. Many people in Prague had been divided about the war. Many had lost loved ones or had been hungry or scared. And even though the war had ended, many bad feelings still remained. The church also had a minister. His name was Norbert Chapek. Reverend Chapek had been the minister of this church for two years. Every Sunday he spoke to the people and they listened, sitting quietly on those hard wooden chairs. When he finished speaking, the people talked a little bit among themselves and then they went home. And that was all. No music, no candles, no food. Now Reverend Chapek, he was a thinker and he wondered sometimes if there might be something, perhaps just a little something more spiritual. He wrote some songs and the people sang them and it helped, but something was still missing. The church went on as before. One spring morning near the end of May, as Reverend Chapek was out for a walk, he noticed the birds singing and the flowers blooming and felt the sunshine on his face. How beautiful the world is. 
And then an idea came to him. The next Sunday, he asked all the people of the church to bring a flower or a budding branch to church the next week. Each person was to bring one. What kind, they asked. What color? What size? You choose, he said. Each of you choose what you like. And so the next Sunday, which felt like the first day of summer, the people came with flowers of all different colors and sizes and kinds. There were yellow and white daisies and red roses, blue asters, dark-eyed pansies, grape hyacinth, pink and purple, orange and gold, all the colors of the rainbow and more. Children helped arrange them and bring them forward to the front of the church. Flowers filled all the vases and beauty filled their hearts. The church wasn't so plain anymore. They had created beauty together. Reverend Chapek spoke to the people and they listened, sitting quiet and still in those hard wooden chairs. Those flowers are like us, he said, different colors, different shapes, and different sizes, each needing different kinds of care, but each beautiful, important, and special in its own way. He said a blessing of the flowers, which called for everyone in the room to see one another as family, despite differences, and to let the spirit of love unite them and help them live more joyfully. He invited each person to take a flower home with them when they left, a different flower than what they had brought. And when the service ended that day, the people turned and talked a little bit more among themselves, and maybe there was some laughter, and then they each chose a flower from the vases before they left and took it home as a gift from their church family. And each year at the start of summer, they did this again. Thank you, Amy, for sharing that that terrific video. It gives you a little bit of a sense of how the flower communion got started. And I wanna read now Norbert Chopek's own words. This is his consecration of the flowers. So this is what he wrote in 1923, almost a hundred years ago to be incorporated in his flower communion service. This is Norbert Chopek's consecration of the flowers. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessing on these thy messengers of fellowship and love. May they remind us amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship, but may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the effort of all of us are needed to do thy work in this world.
Now, I've been a Unitarian Universalist for almost 30 years now. Uh, next year will be my 30th anniversary of finding this marvelous faith. And so I've known about the Flower Communion for as long as I've been a Unitarian Universalist. When I joined First Parish, when I joined uh, First Unitarian Church in Portland, Oregon, it was one of the things that they did every spring. And like some other folks, I was just surprised at this beautiful, simple ritual. And I remember those first couple of times, I didn't have a garden in the apartment where I was living. So I just relied on just picking a flower on my way to church that Sunday morning. And it was probably something that was just at the edge of the sidewalk, uh, but it was welcome along with everyone else's flowers that morning. So I remembered with great fondness this flower communion and over the years learned a little bit more and more about Norbert Chopek and how he started it and the circumstances of that. Because this is one of those stories that has a wonderful beginning and a wonderful middle, lots of beauty and lots of company and lots of overcoming of hardships, but it's a story that has a very sad ending. A few years ago, I was on a three-day layover in Munich. I was headed to South Africa with a good friend for a couple of weeks, and we'd stopped in Munich just to look around because why not? And I was looking on a map of Munich as we were deciding to plan what we were going to do for that day. And I discovered that Dachau, the concentration camp uh, where Norbert Chopek died, was right near Munich. In fact, it was an easy train ride. And so one day my friend and I went out to Dachau. I, we took a deep breath because it's not an easy place to visit. I had never been to a concentration camp before. And frankly, I was a little bit frightened. I was worried about what I would see there and how it would make me feel. Would it ruin the trip? Would it just be such a downer that we wouldn't get over it? But we showed up and the Germans have done a really good job of not hiding their history. And we showed up and Dachau is just what you would imagine it to be. And it's also an amazingly peaceful place as well. As you approach, you see the fences and you see the walls. And here on your screen is uh, one of the gates. Um, this is a sort of modern reconstruction. And then as you go into it a little further, you can see some other things. This again is a modern fence, but it's made to look like the barbed wire. Because what happened at Dachau and so many of the other places where Jews and many others were held captive was that there was such shame after the war that they were torn down. And so there wasn't much left. So what Germany has had to do in the years since is reconstruct things a little bit. And so Dachau is both stark and filled with artwork as well, which is remarkable. Well, one of the things that I looked up in the visitor center as soon as we arrived was where folks were kept. And there were different barracks for different people. And one of the barracks was for clergy. And this is the outline that you can see on your screen of the barracks for clergy. It was number 26. And so I imagine that this is where Norbert Chopik was brought. Because in 1940, when the Nazis invaded uh, Prague, 
they found that Norbert Chopek's uh, vision of love and unity and the beauty of his con congregation was really threatening to them. And he was rounded up like so many other clergy people and was interred in the concentration camp. It wasn't just Jews who died in these places. There were lots of Catholic priests that were rounded up. There were Protestant clergy that were rounded up and a whole manner of other folks. It's ironic that it's uh, LGBTQ Pride Month this month because those were some of the folks that were rounded up as well and brought to them. So when I learned that number 26 was where the clergy were held, I, I went and I looked at it and I placed a stone there on the marker that said number 26. And I just spent some time there because I imagined Norbert Chopek and all of those other clergy people there. Norbert Chopek was killed in 1942. He was one of the people that the Nazis did medical experiments on. And so he only lived in the camp for two years. And this sad, sad story, ending to the story, to me always reminds me that flower communion is powerful precisely because we are each unique and beautiful and we each bring ourselves to community and that communities themselves sometimes struggle. That a community does not mean that everything is rosy or happy all the time. That there are struggles and sometimes there are threats from outside and from within that threaten us. And so that the flower communion lives on in our churches today, I think is a testament to Norbert Chopek's vision. He brought it to his own church when it was experiencing a time of discord and a time of not knowing quite how to go forward. And so each year when we bring it to our church, I think that spirit is alive as well. And for me, that gives it much more meaning. In just a moment, you'll have a chance to write in the chat the answer to a question. And here's the question. How does this story, this story of Norbert Chopek and a flower communion, how does this story resonate in you today? Take a minute and write a brief answer, and then I'll share some of them that are in the chat.
Here are some of the things that you've written in the chat. There's now over 50 suggestions. Every little thing matters. Beauty overcoming hate and fear. Seeing beauty in a troubled time. Especially in this time of Black Lives Matter, we are all individuals and each is a beautiful person. Do beauty now. Anti-Nazi work continues. Flower power. Resilience has many ways of showing itself. Sad but hopeful. Weeds have flowers too. Beauty and diversity. A small thing can make a big difference. With deep sadness lightened by hope for all humanity. Commitment to principles that the struggle did not begin with us and will not end with us. Our contributions can outlive us. Home as a refuge in turbulent times. Be open to a better future. Don't forget the past. Personal influences transcend death. Remember that beauty is around us, but sometimes we have to look for it. Love transcends all. Thank you for sharing in the chat. So the next part of the spiritual journey that we are a part of is the Reverend Maya Chopek, who was Norbert Chopek's widow, brought the ritual of the flower communion to the United States. And so from there, it really was a grassroots movement just like the lighting of our chalice was also a grassroots movement. It is just something that Unitarian Universalists loved and carried on and brought to their communities and now continues to unite us. And even during this time of global pandemic, our Unitarian Universalist communities are finding ways to continue to celebrate the flower communion I noticed in the chat, some of you said, didn't I have some homework? I forgot to send in our flower photo. So please know that although we are about to share some of your beautiful faces, and it will be so good to see you because we miss our gathered community so much. Even if you did not send a photo, you are part of this gathered community and we love you and we think you're beautiful even with your quarantine hair we value you for who you are and we are so grateful to be connected in this way today so even when we cannot be physically together our lives enrich one another in this religious community
Well, it is a good thing to see your faces. What a sweet moment. Invite you into our time of um, sharing the prayers that are on each other's hearts and time of praying for our world. Whether prayer for you is something that is directed to the holy in particular or sending your love out from your heart to others around us, to yourself, family and friends, our community, whatever the word means to you, I invite us all to join together. Each week we collect the big important things that have been happening in your life that you would like to share with your community. And this week we have a few things to share. One is that Jim Reynolds had surgery for a detached retina at Mass Eye and Ear Infirmary last week on Saturday. We hold Jim and his wife Nancy in our hearts as he recovers. David Ropeek will have hip surgery tomorrow. We wish him blessings for an easy surgery and recovery. In good news, a couple weeks ago, Jim Snyder Grant was elected to the Action Board of Selectmen. He'll be serving in a three-year three -year term. Congratulations and thank you, Jim. And finally, we have a few people who, who are in our uh, first parish class of 2020 graduates or college grads. Katherine Taylor has graduated from Champlain College. Claire Chang from UMass Amherst, and Devrin Everett from the University of California, Santa Barbara. Congrats to Claire, Catherine, Devin, and to everyone in our 2020 class. Whether happy or sad or a mix of both, I wonder who has been on your heart this week. And I invite you to call their names aloud now. And let's sing together, Spirit of Life. this prayer, this meditation for healing, for our bodies, 
our spirits, our nation, our world. We pray to offer good intentions, special intentions for those who are having surgery or healing from surgery. And we continue also to pray for those who are ill with COVID-19. Grateful that the numbers are going down in our state and in Massachusetts and aware that this is still a national and global phenomenon. We pray for healing that is robust, healing collectively, where we remember the lessons from Dachau, where we remember and hold on to the resonance in our bodies, that today we speak out against all forms of injustice, just as our predecessors did that we say that Black lives matter, especially now. That we work against the camps at our borders and the ICE jails in our state. That we take a deep breath when we need to and hold fast to our vision of love and justice in our world. Hold fast to the knowledge that like our gathered bouquet, each of us is connected, each of us is unique, that we give and receive from one another in this great mystery of life and love. This is a prayer for healing and it is a prayer of hope and thanksgiving. With gratitude for the beauty and complexity of flower communion, the beauty and complexity of our history and heritage, of traditions that have been passed down to us and which we reinvent together each year and which we hold the deepest meaning each year. Prayer of hope and thanksgiving too for our graduates and for those who are serving well in our towns. For everyone who is looking ahead to the future with new plans, new dreams. Finally, this is a prayer for our church looking ahead this afternoon to our annual meeting, that we may affirm the work that has been done this year and plant the seeds for a good year to come. With these and so many prayers on our hearts, let us abide together in silence for a moment.
And let's sing as we do each week, but this week, as we sing Find a Stillness, we will do not just one, but two verses on this Flower Communion Sunday. Let's sing together. wonderful to sing both verses of that, especially since the, one, the second one talks about flowering. We have been given so much, you and I. We are so blessed in this world. And one of the things that we're simply asked to do over and over again in all kinds of different places is to just give a little bit of that back. Your congregation depends on you. It depends on your gifts. We fund ourselves and that gives us a great, great freedom. Because we fund ourselves, we get to decide what we will do with that money. I always say that the greatest vote this congregation ever takes is the vote it takes on the annual budget because that is how we determine our values. That is how we say, this is what is important to us and this is what we will do next year. So now, a number will appear on your screen. I invite you to text to that number. You can just put in a whole number, a two zero or a four zero or one zero zero. And if it's your first time, you'll be prompted on how to enter a credit card. And if you're already set up, you can participate in the morning's offering that way. Of course, you can always still send in your checks to the church office and they'll be opened and received. An offering for the good work and witness a first parish in Concord would now be gratefully received.
And now we will hear from Jay Barnes about the congregation's Transforming Hearts social action work this spring. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Adrian. This winter, our ministerial intern search found a great candidate, a candidate who happens to be gender non-binary, gender queer in their case. During the interview, we realized we weren't that confident in our understanding of the spectrum of gender identities. We needed some education. The UUA has an online course, Trans Inclusion in Congregations. We found great interest in it from Social Action, Diversity Council, the Belonging Team, and Standing Committee. Social Action provided us the funding and a group of us took the course this spring. One of the most important takeaways for me was about setting aside the unconscious assumptions that I make about people that are based upon my personal experience and that keep me in a false comfort zone. Assumptions about gender identity, but also economic background, sexual orientation, and so forth. I wanna have a different kind of interaction that's more profoundly welcoming and not just about saying, hey, so glad you are here in our culture. It's easier said than done. This is unconscious bias that you don't always see in yourself. We also learned that our discussions on the transgender experience kept leading back to how welcome we are at First Parish. We are a welcoming congregation, and yet our discussions led us to the idea that there's room for improvement. Maybe most important was that as we talked, we began to feel more trusting and folks shared the personal connections that they had to friends and loved ones with very gendered identities. As it turns out, the course material was more personal to us than we expected. It felt like an important change in perspective had taken place, a good first step. The online self-paced trans inclusion course continues to be available to all of us, already paid for by social action. I strongly encourage us all to take it. So, in recognition of LGBTQ Month, I humbly and with love light the social action candle. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for your part in the ministerial intern committee and you're prompting us all to take the course. I've taken it myself and found it really a, a really wonderful way to get an overall view of what uh, trans folks are going through right now. So thank you for that and for the shout out during Pride Month. As we begin to close our service, I would like you to invite you to stay on this same webinar. We're gonna move seamlessly into the annual meeting. And so certainly all the members of the church are welcome to stay for that. It's important that we meet. There's a lot going on and we think that we'll be able to do it quite efficiently in this format. So just stay right where you are and you'll, we'll switch over to the annual meeting after the service. We will vote on the budget. We will elect standing committee members and you'll get to learn about uh, a big new project that you might wanna take on. I wanna let you know that in two weeks, we will be joining thousands of other Unitarian Universalists on Sunday morning. Uh, we will be participating in the uh, morning service from General Assembly. And we'll figure out how to get you a link to that and also know that if 
you just come to this link, there'll be a slide up as well that'll tell you how to get to that. But it's a marvelous opportunity to join with thousands of other UUs and experience the service from General Assembly. A couple of, of other things that are going on. Uh, please pay attention to the website and FP Weekly. They're your best source of information. Um, there was a question in the chat. We are definitely going all the way through summer. So we're not gonna stop having church ever if I can ha uh, help it. So um, do tune in here at 10 o'clock any Sunday morning all summer long and there'll be a worship service for you. And now the Chandler Reeves family is here to do the drawing for the 520 challenge. This was part of our annual pledge campaign and there's a whole bunch of you that are uh, in line for this drawing. And so I'll turn it over to the Chandler Reeves family. Hello, First Parish. We are honored to be drawing the winning name in the 520 raffle. There are a large number of folks who increased their pledge by $520 or more this year over last year towards the First Parish pledge campaign. Thank you to all our generous donors. The winning prize is a stay at a cottage on Montagnan Island in May. And I have been there and it is a gorgeous place. So now, let the drawing begin. Little technical difficulty, here we go. May will draw the first name in this raffle. And the winner is, little trouble opening the paper, one second. Susan C. Susan C. Congratulations, Susan. Congratulations, C. Susan. Now, in case this winner cannot use the prize, we're going to draw two additional names. The second name is Right, the winner is on the second runner-up. Ed Kane and Marty Wallace. Yay, Ed and Marty, woohoo! And the third runner-up name is... Woo! William and Sandra Robichaud. Yay, William and Sandra. All right, congratulations. Thank you to all of you for helping to build our base and supporting First Parish's financial future. And May is going to end this exciting raffle with a poem. Build today, then strong and sure, with a firm and ample base. And ascending and secure, shall tomorrow find its place. Thank you very much. Congratulations.
And thank you to the Chandler Reeves family. You guys did a great job with that. And congratulations to season C. Let us now join in our closing song. Our closing song has become traditional on Flower Communion Sunday. It's Dave Mallett's Garden Song, and I invite you to sing with me, especially on the chorus. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All you need is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below, till the rain come tumbling down. Pulling weeds, picking stones, we are made of dreams and bones. Need a place to call my own, for the time is near at hand. Grain for grain, sun and rain, find my way through nature's chain. Tune my body and my brain to the music of the land. Inch by inch, row by row, gotta make this garden grow. All you need is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain come tumbling down. Plant your rows straight and long, temper them with prayer and song. Mother Earth will make you strong if you give her love and care. An old crow watching hungrily from his perch in yonder tree. In my garden, I'm as free as that feathered thief up there. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All you need is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain come tumbling down. And as we go forth from this service, remember that you are beautiful, that you are like a flower, as beautiful and as individual, as colorful and as fragrant. Remember that you are beautiful and that we are even more beautiful when, that we are, when we are together, whether we're physically together or whether we see one another's shining faces and know that we carry each other in love in our hearts through this very difficult time. And now please join in the benediction saying, go now, go out into the world in peace, have courage, Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all beings. Oh.